how do i start like hi everyone hi everyone hi everyone welcome back to the minute women podcast my name is grace and i say i'm linnea and i'm linnea and i'm linnea i literally was every like, time what do i say i dragged my ass out of bed for this picture <laughs> on mondays it's gonna be margarita mondays <laughs> nationwide <laughs> and feel that reciprocated enjoyment, enjoyment. Oh, oh my god it's like we're friends or something <laughs> hello everybody at hop yard hello. that's you guys that's you <laughs> welcome uh to the minute women podcast live my name is grace and i'm linnea and we appreciate everybody who came out to the show and to everyone who just came for taco night. Uh, prepare to be bombarded with a live comedy podcast for the next 45 minutes. You can thank us later. You can thank us later. Um, briefly, if you don't know what our show is, we do Canadian history in a funny way. So we take the Canadian Heritage Minutes, those 60 second iconic ads that would air ad nauseum that you on love, the CBC. That you love. That you just love. And we try and tell the bigger stories behind them. But sometimes we say, screw the format. Let's just talk about something funny that happened in Canadian history. Is that what we're doing today? That is absolutely what oh, we're going to do absolutely. today. Uh, also, I just want to let everyone know that we do swear. Um, so be prepared for that as well. Cursing, um, apologies to, to moms. Yeah, if there's any around moms, the world, dads here. Sorry, we're not a good influence on anyone. Um, so Linnea, yes. As we have discussed, can you guys hear us? Can you guys? Are we? Are we like good? Yeah. Okay. Super. Love that. Love that. Because I, I think we sound great. I think we sound great. <laughs> we always sound great. The prairies are a funny place. The prairies are a funny place. A lot of weird stuff happens in the prairies. Sod houses, this cows for you, Spencer. <laughs> so it's especially funny place during the mid-1800s when there's a lot of questions about what the prairies are going to become. It's not part of Canada. Canada doesn't really exist yet. It's not part of the U.S. It's currently owned by the Hudson's Bay Company. It's just hanging out there, landlocked and alone. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so there's a lot of different paths that the prairies could go down. But one man, he looked at all of these paths and he was like, what if we did something even stupider? What? <laughs> this is the story of the man who set out to create the Free Republic of Manitoba, spelled with an H, spelled like with an H. Like Manitoba. With an H at okay. the end. Okay, okay. It's important. Yeah. And the cobbler that ruined his dreams. <laughs> So okay, okay, I'm ready. Thomas Spence was born in Edinburgh, Scotland, as all great Canadians are, <laughs> on the true. 3rd of June, 1832. Let me guess, he's, he's dead now. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, everyone we talk about is dead. Everyone we talk about is dead. Apologies to the descendants. <laughs> um, so his father was a solicitor, so you know, middle, middle class background. Okay. Decent money, decent income. Yeah. And we don't really know a lot about him other okay. than Scottish and, and rich. Good. But he also appears to have been a very confident person, which is typical for rich Scottish youth. I was going to say rich Scottish white men. This is all sounding right to me. It's all coming together. <laughs> because at the age of 19, he said, goodbye, Scotland. I'm coming to Canada. Okay. I'm packing my bags. I'm sailing across the Atlantic. Okay. Who knows what fortune lies before Adventure me? Adventure awaits. Absolutely. So he arrives in the Canadas okay. in 1852. So like Quebec, Ontario. Sure. Now... It seems he may have Brit been a British officer because we know that he was with a party of engineers that set out to erect forts at Port Levy, Quebec. Okay. That said, he's not mentioned in any lists for military officers, so we can't be sure. Okay. He might have just been a really good bullshitter. Right. That is going to be a common theme of Thomas Spence's story. Perfect. Foreshadowing. Okay. He may have been engaged on this project as a land surveyor. We don't know. But Thomas first appears in our historical documentation between the dates of 1856 and 1857 when he was on a trip home visiting Scotland. Oh, so he came to Canada and now he's leaving Canada to go back. He's visiting. Now you've okay. been away, imagine. Imagine. You're a young Scottish lad. Yeah. Not, not much of a stretch okay. for you. <laughs> he has been away from home. You've been away from home for four years. Okay. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get back? I'm going to get some haggis. Is it, the correct answer is you're going to start a newspaper 
for a very short period of time. Okay, okay. Not what I was expecting. And it is called the Scottish-Canadian Emigration Advocate. Amazing. Okay. So he's just like, I've gone out. I've, I've had this amazing experience in Canada. I'm going to write about it. It's like starting a travel blog, but you go home yeah. and you have to like actually hand it out to everybody. He's the original Instagram influencer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dad, dad had enough money to get you access to a printing press. And now you're doing it. And so it. now you're just sending it out to everyone. Okay. Now, the paper, despite its lack of success, is noticed by officials in Ottawa. They're like, hey, this guy, Thomas Spence, he's like out there in Scotland spreading the good word So they don't of hate Canada. it. No, they're like, yeah. they're down. They're okay, like so sick. he's saying good things, apparently. He, enough, this is good. Enough that Ottawa's like, thank God, yeah, thank anyone. <laughs> I think it speaks more to the desperation of Ottawa. Sure. Being like, sure. we'll literally take anyone promoting this country. Who thinks this is anyone. a good, good place to live. Okay. <laughs> and they regard it so highly that in February of 1858, the Ottawa City Council recommended that he be made a director of a government agency in Europe. I thought you were going to be like, they decided to make him mayor. <laughs> the highest honor. The highest honor. honor. Just you get to be mayor. the mayor of Ottawa. <laughs> You've made it. Not quite. Okay. Um, so I assume it would have to do with immigration, because that's what his paper has to do. Sure. But who knows. Um, unfortunately, the formal offer did not come for another eight years. Oof. How does that happen? I don't like, know. This, this thing, it's great, and it just sits on a desk in Ottawa for eight years. So was he like holding that title and just didn't have it officially, or did they just... No, he wasn't holding any titles. Okay. They were just like, that guy would be great for this job. Anyways, let's forget about that for yeah. eight years okay. and move on. Perfect. Perfect. We have other business that to attend to. That sounds like the Canadian government. <laughs> okay. Which is too late for Spence, unfortunately, because oh. in this span of time, yeah. this eight years, Spence got married, okay. started a family, and decided that he was destined for Red River, Manitoba. Okay. So Red River Settlement, we're off to the prairies. He's ready to go. He and his family arrived in Upper Fort Gary, which is today Winnipeg, on the 1st of November, 1866, after, quote, a very rough journey. Uh, that very rough journey included his nine-month pregnant wife, Charlotte, who gave birth the next day when they arrived oh, in Fort Gary. Maybe she is what the midwife Heritage Minute is about. Potentially. Maybe that's her. Yeah, just crying in just the rain. Just crying. We love that minute. Just a lot of yelling. <laughs> so when Thomas arrived at the Red River Settlement, he first worked as a handyman, but he's quick to inform the townspeople that He'd been a military officer in the foot regiment. That. He's better than that. He, he's better than this profession. <laughs> he's above that lowly profession. He tells them that he's been a land surveyor. He also tells them that he has uh, been a practitioner of the legal profession, Lies. which is a vague title. <laughs> also, I have there's no evidence to suggest that he's done any of this. He's a liar. Potentially. Yeah. Okay. Potentially. Maybe. No one quite knew if Spence had been telling the truth or inventing a new persona for himself in this like new unsettled area, but his political ambitions were high and he sought to represent his views and plans as the opinions of others who had been in the settlement for years. Okay. So he's just going around to like all of the important people and being like, yeah, you know what Tim told me up the street? Yeah, he's saying that we really need to fix that road. That's Tim's opinion, not mine. Not, not mine. mine. That's Tim. Yeah. These okay. are the opinions of the well, you know, acquainted people. In yeah. The I'm settlement. just, I'm just a guy, not even from here. I yes. have no business giving you my thoughts. Exactly. Okay. So, the first time that we really get to know Thomas Spence is, sure. and it's kind of his first foray into controversy. Okay. Is on December eighth, eighteen sixty-six, when Spence organized a meeting in Fort Gary's courthouse to secure support for the transference of the settlement into the British North America Act, the okay. BNA Act, everyone's favorite piece of Canadian legislation. Yeah. So he he seems to have some like intelligence though like he's got knowledge of these things yeah he's definitely yeah. He, i think he has like too much knowledge for his own good okay, okay. like he knows just enough to kind of like weasel his way into circles right. where he can cause trouble and spell manitoba with an h eventually and spell manitoba <laughs> with an h eventually okay um so british north america act is kind of like the cornerstone of confederation and so if you wanted to join Canada, this is 1866, Confederation is the next year, for those people who don't know, 1867. 
you would basically like sign on. It's like yeah. an agreement. It's like, oh, cool. We're going to like join up with these other yeah. colonies and we're going to form this new dominion of Canada. Um, join the club. That's what they wanted. They wanted everybody to join the club. Yeah. They're just like, come on. It's going to be great It's going to be so fun. So much fun. So much. We have documents that sit on desks for eight years. What wouldn't you want what from part all of this? Of this? Isn't what good part for you? of this isn't good enough for <laughs> yeah. you? Exactly. Yeah. The problem is that at the time, Fort Geary and all of the surrounding areas are part of Rupert's Land, which is actually just I remember private that property. From like, from like grade nine good job. social studies. That's one I remember. That's yeah, what I got. I, I got that I one. I got that. I knew that was on a test somewhere. I think we need a bell for like. When I, I know, know that one. Yeah. yeah. DNA Act is a good one. Yeah. Rupert's Land. For those of you who don't regularly listen to our podcast, first, I don't know what you're doing. But uh, secondly, the premise is, is that Grace is educating me on history. So I had no idea what I was getting into coming to Hopyard today. I just came for the beer and the tacos like many of you. And this is just an extra bonus. <laughs> so. She didn't even know there was going to be a show today. <laughs> just, I just surprise. kind of drag her around. It's all a surprise. I send you, I send you like threatening notes and I'm like, meet me <laughs> yeah. at Hopyard, like, 7 p.m. Yeah, and like cut out magazine pieces. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Rupert's Land, yes, go. Rupert's Land and just, yeah. <laughs> the magazine clipping. Yeah. It's just like, what does it mean? <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> okay. Um, but Rupert's Land, it's private property. So people are living there, but they're basically just living. Squatters. Well, no, just like oh. under. <laughs> Squatters. <laughs> um, they're just living There's under the There's a housing the rule. crisis here, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be us soon. <laughs> yeah. But they just live under the rule of the Hudson's Bay Company. So the Hudson's Bay Company okay. is like the only form of like police or law right. for the most so part. Trading, you have a few councils, yeah. like the Council of the Assiniboi, which we'll get into a little bit, but that's about they're it. They're trading furs and wearing those nice Hudson Bay jackets with the pretty colors on the bottom. Yeah, and they're not doing anything problematic <laughs> at all. At all. I'm it's sure they're just doing great. great. Okay. <laughs> um, so this land represents about a third of what is Canada today. Okay. Um, and that's a lot. Yeah, the, it won't join Confederation for a while until Canada literally just buys it. Okay. They eventually are like whatever. So so Canada yeah so Canada that joins Confederation then buys that eventually. Yes, okay. in a couple of years after Confederation. Okay. But that's not soon enough for Spence. Of course not. Spence is like we need to get government now because what you come to learn about Thomas Spence is he loves government more than anything in the world. He'll okay. do anything Gets to get government happening. Yeah, he loves it. And so at the courthouse meeting that he had called, he'd been like, all right, we're all meeting at the courthouse. And people came. So he sets the meeting. The meeting was set for 10.30 in the morning, but Spence had told a select number of people like, no, you gotta go early. We get, you gotta go early. So he gets like a group that's, I guess, enough for quorum. Okay. And then he just votes on it. Whoa! So half of the people aren't there. Okay. And he's just like, great. Now we're part of Canada. Uh, <laughs> according, to the, according to the documents, it says that they celebrated this with three mighty cheers to her most glorious majesty, the queen. <laughs> so very illegal, yeah, but let's celebrate. Very illegal, you know? that's weird. Okay. We're ready to go. We're ready. We're part of Canada now. So the gang, you know, they're on their high horse. They're like yes. stepping out into the streets of Fort Gary in 1866. Singing God so I can only imagine beautiful. I was going to say, they're singing God Save the Queen and running around, yeah. popping champagne, I'm sure. It is before 1030 in the morning. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Which is important. It's my favorite time for champagne. <laughs> so they leave the courthouse celebrating, but when they're out in the street, because it's Fort Gary and it's this tiny town, mm -hmm. uh, they run into, quote, Dutch George. Okay. That's his nickname. <laughs> okay. Why? Might have been Dutch. Who knows? <laughs> okay. uh, Dutch George Emmerling, who was the owner of the hotel. Okay. I can't imagine that there'd be many other hotels in Fort it's Gary during hotel. this period of time. The hotel. Um, Emmerling was an advocate for annexation into the of the settlement into the United States. Oh. So he's just like... They don't get along. He Those was, are opposing views. <laughs> there's a reason he wasn't there at 9.30 in the morning. Oh, he, he was a 10.30 gang. He was a 10.30 He was guy. a 10.30 crowd. Yeah. 
And so when he realizes what the group had done, he rallies the town and recalls everybody back to the courthouse. He's like, no, 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 no. This is not how this goes down. This is not, this is not government. So at the uh, instigation of Emmerling, um, they get everybody back. They're like, this resolution is null and void. What you did was illegal. It was bad. It was bad. (laughs) And they declared it void. So now now we're back to neutral. Fort Gary is just part of Rupert's land. It's not being annexed. And Spence is probably real sad. Well, yeah, Spence and his gang do not handle this well. Okay, okay. Um, So he's got followers. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You'll you'll notice that he always has, like, toadies, basically. Yeah, Yeah. groupies. He, like, convinces a couple of guys to always, like, be on his side. Like these guys over here. Yeah, that's us. (laughs) So a heated argument breaks out. Okay. And uh, among those attending... And any proposed motions, you know, they're quickly shut down. So, like, we're having this courthouse meeting. You right. bring up anything, we're just going to shut it down. Okay. Like, they're literally just having a tantrum in the corner. They're like, okay. no. <laughs> no. No. No, absolutely this is, not. This isn't what I want. This, this isn't is exactly what I have designed <laughs> to happen. I'm sad. Yeah. Okay. They're cradling their bottles of champagne. <laughs> so, as one account of the event states, quote, After some time, the entire crowd sought a hasty and uproarious exit from the doors. Some imagined with a view of continuing hostilities on a more extended scale outside. So they're taking it out back. So this is like, so I went to my first arena dance in Barrington when I was living in Shelburne. Go and on. I'd never Everyone, been, you know, <laughs> a, a formidable moment in every young girl's life. I went to go to there, their first arena you know, dance. to work a soul-sucking government job, and it was it was fine. But I also um, got, got like grouped in with the locals, and I went to this arena dance. And at this arena dance, I mean, I'm from Lunenburg. It's pretty. It's, it's like pretty like up and up there. We don't. But anyway, this arena dance, a fight breaks out. Oh, good. And I've been at places where fights break out, and then the fight gets stopped. Mm-hmm. But here, a man comes to the fight and says, whoa, 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 boys. And he says, okay, let's take it outside. And then the whole, everybody in the arena leaves and goes outside to watch this fight then take place. And then there's, like, other fights happening. Like, it's just, like, anybody, I could have been in a fight that night. It was, it's, like, when there's so many people fighting on a hockey team that the goalies fight. Just, 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 like, like fuck it, let's do it. Um, yeah, so, wild times. So that's what I'm picturing. They were just, like, let's take it outside and let's continue. Our arena, I'm not familiar with arena dances. Oh, okay. Are they, like, high school kids? Or are they adults? No, this is it's like drinking, so like you have okay. to be over nineteen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you should be over nineteen. My high school had to stop dances because people were literally having sex oh, on the yeah. dance floor. Yeah, that and they were like, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And Our- so then one company decided to market that, and they sold like sixteen and up uh, dances. That's crazy. It, it was bad. It was really That's gross. Crazy. Anyways. Anyways. Slightly um, different. Slightly different. Yeah. Slightly different than what's happening in this okay. story. Tell right me what's now, happening here. I like I like that excursion. <laughs> with Spence. <laughs> what's going on with Spence? So they're taking it out back. They're yeah. like, this this just, you know. There's not enough room in this courthouse to contain how much <laughs> anger. How much ego and testosterone. All of the hostilities. <laughs> but the cooling influences of the December wind led them to seek shelter at Mr. Emmerling. So they're like, December. They, they go out to fight and they're like, fuck, it's cold. <laughs> they're like, God damn it, Winnipeg. What if we just go inside? Yeah. <laughs> you want some hot cocoa? I want some hot cocoa. So they go to Mr. Emmerling's hotel where an orgy was insituated. Where a what? I don't think orgy means the same thing in 1866 <laughs> as it means now. Okay, cool. <laughs> I think it just means a group. Okay. Just but hanging out. We can pretend. We can pretend. <laughs> we can be bad historians. They're now having an orgy. <laughs> Where an orgy was really, in... Yeah, this is really not safe for work. No, this is no, not no, safe no, for no, no. Okay. Um, which ended about midnight in the demolition <laughs> of his bar and general destruction of his Whoa. bottles and earthenware. Not to speak of the damage done to his fluids, which Ooh. means liquor. That's literally an episode of Peaky Blinders. I swear, that happened in like four episodes. It's the most accurate yeah. historical <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so basically Emmerlings gets his because they go back to his place and they just destroy the place. They just wreck it. Yeah. So soon after all this fallout at Fort Gary, Spence is like, you know what? I think I gotta pull up stakes. Like, 
he's got a bad rep. He's in leaving. Town. He's leaving. And wow, quitter. Once you're out there, there's there's only one way to go, and that's further west. Yeah, sure. So is. we're at Fort Edge La Prairie <laughs> oh, in 1867. God. Okay. When he goes there, he opens up a store, as you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what he's selling, but. Newspaper. <laughs> a single sheet newspaper. <laughs> yeah, oh. Portage La Prairie Press. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just imagine that they don't have enough paper, so it's also like, you share it around. Yeah, you everybody know? writes like, their bit. There's one piece of newspaper that's like chained mm-hmm. to the desk, so you can't take it too far. Like at the bank. Steal it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so back in 1851, a guy by the name of William Cochran, John McLean, and a few other ambitious settlers were among the first to acquire permanent land in the area from local indigenous peoples. And I I'll, bet that wasn't cool. You never know. Yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> I'm sure everyone was super happy with that deal. Everyone was treated fairly and equally in Canadian history, and that's Absolutely. all you need to know. Um, So they built a school for the settlers that began pouring in from the east to this little community and it kind of started to grow. So soon there was a church, there's there's numerous local businesses. Once once there's a church, let me tell you, in 1867, you've got a church, you've got a community. That's like, honestly, yeah, yeah, it's like, (laughs) we need one big building. Yeah. Can we have one, please? Just one. Anything? Yeah. A big building. Just a big building. Yeah. Um, So... You know, the, the the main reason that the town grows up is because it's such, like, a, a fertile soils in the area. It really mm-hmm. builds this big economy for the village. That's good. Um, the only problem is that, well, not a problem for most people. The problem for Spence okay. is that Portage La Prairie is outside the jurisdiction of the government and the Council of the Assiniboine. So the Council of the Assiniboine is this, like, big administrative body that exists between 1821 and 1870. And so they're, like, outside of the Hudson's Bay Company. They're the only thing close to, like, a legal system, a police force, a militia in this vast wilderness. Like, how do you spell that? Assiniboine? Yeah. I don't think people need a spelling test. I'll look it up later. (laughs) I'll Google it. You can look it up later. Um, so that would be funny if we started doing a spelling bee, though, that in the middle so of it. Fun. It's like a Cinnabine. <laughs> oh my god, you get me to smell the word. A Cinnabine. A. S. 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 And then you ring the bell if I get it wrong, and then I cry. Like, the kids, actually, I love watching the spelling bee. It's pure entertainment. Do you like it because they do well, or do you like it because they do poorly? I like it when, I like it when you can tell the kids who suck. And who, like, who, how like, did they get on the telephone? No, 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 no. Like, they're good at spelling, but they just suck as a human being. <laughs> and so, like, you, you don't want them to do well. I always root for the underdog. <laughs> it's like all I've trained for yeah. is this spelling. But beer. then, like, five years ago, eight kids won. And then I was like, what is this purple ribbon society we live in? Do they just need to get to, like, the limit? Well, it's like, just they the ran out of words. words. So, like, they ran out of words. National Spelling Bee ran out of words. Like, they should circle back. Go to right? easy words. Go to easy words. Cat. Cat. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, oh, you oh. think you're so smart? We're running through the whole list <laughs> yeah. all over again. Just the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. um, so, basically, Spens and his family, they're now in this community that's only 400 people, and there are no courts, there's no police. No taxation, no government, no laws, except for the ones that people chose to observe, which are my favorite kind of laws. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, yeah, you know, I won't kill you, maybe. <laughs> Only on Tuesdays. On Wednesdays, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just one day a week. Just one day a week for that. But, like, these are detractions in the eyes of Spence. If anything, he sees a blank canvas for him to government all of over. Course. He's so excited. <laughs> He's like, this is my moment. <laughs> So as soon as Thomas arrived, he began once again trying to have his new home included in the B&A Act. He's like going around, he's like, hey, I heard Terry down the street really wants us to join the B&A Act. I don't know. You know Terry. (laughs) I don't know Terry, but you do. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) 
And on the 31st of May, at a meeting in Spence's store, resolutions were passed emphasizing the urgency of incorporating the settlement into the new confederation. What is he selling? I don't know, but... Dreams. Like, it's, He's selling dreams. It's His like, own. It's His like, own dreams. It's like those Tupperware parties yeah. where you, like, invite people over and suddenly you're at a pyramid scheme. Oh my god, yes. It's that, but confederation. He's like, yeah, come yeah. over. Saturday morning, we're gonna, you know, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna eat ham and other salted things. Of course. And then we're gonna have some beer, and you know, we might talk about confederation. It's like it's like these Arbon ladies. Like one of them is gonna get me someday. They're so sneaky. They like come in at you. They're like, do you want to feel good? And I'm like, yeah, I want to feel good. Of course. And I then do. it's like you need to spend three hundred and ninety nine dollars to feel really good, like me. <laughs> I guess feeling good isn't a luxury I can afford. <laughs> I guess I'll never know. (laughs) Mary Kay. That's Uh, that's a subject we should do on a podcast. Mary Kay. Mary Kay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Barbie. An Avon Barbie. There's, no, Mary Kay Barbie. Barbie. Mary Kay Barbie. Is she? Yeah. It's a good. It's like a, it's like a girl who's going door to door to do sales. It's one of That's Barbie's hilarious. like seven billion careers. True. Yeah. True. I do like the amount yeah. of jobs that she has. <laughs> she's so progressive. I was gonna say she's almost just like me. Almost the same amount of jobs. <laughs> almost, almost. Almost. She's catching up. She's, she's getting close. So, at this party, this Tupperware party. Um, Thomas, he he writes a letter, which he then gets everyone to sign, and he sends to Queen Victoria. Oh, nice. Uh, as that you was, do. That was like his icebreaker game yeah, at the start like, of the party. Hey, <laughs> want to sign a letter? <laughs> and so he's asking for recognition, which aren't we all, uh, <laughs> law, and protection. And no reply was received. Of course not. So Victoria does not have the time. Complete cold shoulder for Queen Victoria. Yeah. So, with no one out there acknowledging Thomas's need for government, he decided to just take matters into his own hands. And so Spence decided that he needed to establish a new republic over which he would rule as <laughs> king. I mean president. Okay. So, he's just like, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm gonna do it. We're setting up the Republic of Manitoba. Yeah. Which he does in January of 1868 with some of the settlers, um, all under Spence's de- direction. Okay. Um, and so the, spe- the actual name, the original name, I should mm-hmm. say, is the Republican Monarchy of Caledonia. Okay. And a guy named Finley Ray was his secretary. Okay. Caledonia must have been super unpopular mm-hmm. because Spence oh. shortly changes it to Republican Monarchy of Manitoba with an H. So was he the first person to call it Manitoba, though? Yes. Okay, this that's is, cool. This that's is good for him. This is the first time the Cree word Manitoba, which previously referred to the narrows of Lake Manitoba, was actually used to describe land so that was, was being governed. Semi-progressive, you could say. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll throw him a bone there. A He's little. an innovator at the very <laughs> He's, least. Yeah. He's like, what if we take this great word and use it to refer to land, not water? With an H. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. So the Republic of Manitoba now just exists. Um, you know, it, it's not really, there's no piece of paper that says, you know, the Republic of Manitoba exists. It just sure. started existing. And people started calling it that. At least from Spence's perspective. Okay. I think he sees this as a big ribbon-cutting moment, and everybody else is like, who? Who? What? There's only 400 people in this community, Manitoba which hardly what? represents yeah. most people. Yeah. So the Republic of Manitoba, it includes 100 square miles extending indefinitely into the parallels of latitude and longitude. Um, The only defined boundary was its eastern one, which consisted of the western limit of the municipal district of the Assiniboine. But outside of that, it's just everything, Um, which again, no one agreed to except for Thomas and a couple of guys in a room. And he's married, right? He is married. We don't hear about her very much. (laughs) I don't think he's very interested in what's going on in Charlotte's life. That's not shocking. From what you told me, I'm not surprised. He's like, Thomas, just come home. Please come to bed. He's like, no. I've got to figure it out. I've got to rule everything. You don't understand. My made-up government is getting very serious. You're gonna want to get in the ground floor of this made-up <laughs> yeah. government. It's uh, gonna, it's gonna take off. Babe, you, uh, you gotta support this, okay? She was in the 9:30 crowd. Yeah. <laughs> she was in the 9:30. No, she was invited to the 9:30 crowd and didn't go. She did not. She's go. like, I'm not. No. She's like, I'm tired. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Aren't we all tired? <laughs> I hope not. We're in the middle of a show. You gotta keep going. I'm not tired. Just like in general. You know? Of everything. Yeah, just of everything. I'm tired of the bullshit, you know? So Spence then had a council just chosen. So none of this is democratically elected. This By is a very Oh yeah, this is a very like loose definition of a republic, which yeah. implies you're voting for something. Yeah. But uh, not a lot of that going on. Sounds like how our softball team was picked. <laughs> it has to be a hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. Don't understand. Yeah. So he has this council chosen. Uh, each member takes an oath of an allegiance uh, to, to the to the republic and to Spence. Okay. Also like our softball. <laughs> <laughs> we pledge allegiance to Eric, Coach, Coach Eric. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> After the oaths, uh, the first order of business was to build a courthouse and a jail. I thought you were going to say a gym, and I was like, yeah, this guy is progressive. <laughs> Healthy bodies for everyone, you know? Like, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, like, the first thing a government does is they just, like, put a, mo like, yeah, a monopoly a on violence. Yeah. You so, you know, <laughs> jail and courthouse. Yeah. Uh, jail, also spelled the right way, which is G-A-O-L. <laughs> my preferred spelling of jail. Oh, this poor guy was dyslexic. Like, this No, that's literally how everyone spelled it back then. J-A-O-L? Yes, that jail. is like the original English jail. spelling of jail. Like we're Forrest Gump saying jail. 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 <laughs> oh my god, you have such a good Forrest Gump impression. That's not a compliment. I had no idea. That's like the meanest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> Only on that word, though. Okay. Um, but, you know, such noble establishments of government uh, present, you know, you need money. You need stuff. Money to build it. And so Spence and his cronies hit upon the idea of, like, oh, what if we tax people? Yes. They're going to love that. <laughs> Weird thing. People out in the woods don't really love to be taxed. They don't really love... The reason they're out in yeah. the woods is probably because they don't love government as much as our boy Thomas Spence does. Yeah, he's like, I don't get it, guys. This is the best ever. <laughs> don't you guys love it? <laughs> no! <laughs> Who let you do this? He's like, oh, anyway... <laughs> so, according to the account of Robert Hill, uh, quote, a notice was sent to all traders, amongst them the officers in charge of the Hudson's Bay Trading Post in Portage, who received uh, that, uh, sorry, that he, uh, who replied that he would be paying no taxes or duties on the goods imported for the trade post, unless ordered to do so by the government of Rupert's Land. And they're not talking to him. Yeah, so Thomas is like, great, get everyone on the mailing list and send them out. You know, we're going to tell them that good news. You see everyone. You will now be taxed yeah. on your imports and exports. Okay. And, and Rupert's Land is like, no, no, that's not how this works. And he's like, anyway, I just love the naivete of it. Yeah. He's like, great, okay, everything's going <laughs> super according to plan. Yeah. Let's start taxing people. Let's do it. And people are just like, the minute there's like one thing yeah. that he has to deal with outside of his like echo chamber, yeah. they're like, no, no. <laughs> you're dumb. So the council decided they they would not force the officers to pay duties. Uh, but once the jail was built, they had a trump card that they could play, and they would ensure his cooperation. Okay. So they're like, all right, but just wait until we build this jail. <laughs> then and we're going to have some real fun. You're going to be paying so much taxes, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So this officer wasn't the only one who questioned the legitimacy of this new republic. Um, and I have to say, this is where we meet the hero of the story, the true hero of the story. There's a cobbler who lives. Okay, you in, mentioned him in at the, the Republic. Top. Yep. at the top of the show. His name is McPherson. We don't know his first name, but okay. maybe McPherson is his first name. Or maybe it's Macpherson. Potentially. Maybe. So Mac. Mac. <laughs> What's Mac up to? <laughs> he lived in High Bluff, which is just a few kilometers east of Portage. Um, and he began confronting Spence and other members of the government over their taxation policies. Sure. So he's just like, what are you, why? Yeah. So he's, you know, he's, he's raising significant questions. The okay. main one being why. Okay. Um, Which is a good question to start with Spence. Yeah. What and how dare you? Yeah. Just, you know. <laughs> how dare you? He said that the money he was preparing in taxation was not going toward the jail the government had promised, but instead was being used to buy beer and whiskey on the sole, for the sole use of the government. 
So okay. McPherson's like, so I know Spence. Yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> okay. He's like, I know what you're doing with my tax money. You're just buying whiskey. You're yeah. not building the jail that me, McPherson, would like there to be in the town. Right. And so, and Spence is like, well, maybe. <laughs> and this appears to have been true. Um, McPherson made his suspicions known throughout Portage. So now he's spreading. He's he's going around. He's like, you know oh. what's actually happening? Go mad down at the government house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this enraged Spence, as as he's prone to do. He's having as a temper tantrum. Yeah. Yes, as we have seen from his former yeah. Uh, outings. Yeah. And he saw only one solution, okay. and that was to just arrest McPherson and try no. him for treason. What? So he's this like, guy's crazy. He's like, yeah. So sorry, McPherson. You're <laughs> under arrest. The jail's not finished. Yeah. Uh, but we will be trying you for treason. Yeah. Treason yeah. usually uh, serves with capital punishment. So. So like a, a little public hanging. You never know. You never know. <laughs> it's, show. it's exciting for a town of 400 little people. Little show for the people. Bring little the kids out. Have a have a picnic. You know. Little hanging on the prairie. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Spence's constables, which is again a strong word for cronies, um, <laughs> William Hudson and Henry Anderson were dispatched to arrest McPherson. However, it seems that the two constables had been indulging in some whiskey provided for them by the government. Yes. And they were so loud on their way to arrest McPherson that he heard them coming. Oh no. And what they were coming to do. So he's like, oh, William's coming. Oh, and Henry's coming too. Oh, yeah. oh, it's oh, it's to arrest me. Oh, for, for treason. Oh, oh, okay. Like, and okay. we're gonna arrest him so good. <laughs> you so have no good. idea. You have no idea how good we're gonna arrest him. <laughs> this whiskey's great. He's gonna be the most arrested. <laughs> this is an arrested development. <gasps> enters McPherson's home sure. while Anderson watched the door. Okay. For who? I don't know. Again, it's like a town of 400 people. There's no one and he's coming. out He's out of town. Yeah. So, like, I don't know who's coming. Anyways. Um, so, Hudson found McPherson sitting in his home cleaning his revolver. Just casual. The shoemaker. Yeah. McPherson resisted the effort to place him in custody, which I assume was a very simple conversation of, yeah. I have a gun. So, uh, Anderson... And he was like, Anderson, let's go. Yeah, Anderson heard the scuffle. He hears yeah. inside. And so, he runs in to help out Hudson. But somehow, McPherson eludes them both. And now he's just, like, running in the wilderness. <laughs> just running. So he's just running away from the house. Yeah, he's like Laura Secord, just running. Yeah. yeah. Take me to Fitzgibbons! So he takes off with the intent of running to the Assiniboine district border, where there's a real government. Sure. With his wife just at home, just hanging out? Mc, I don't know if McPherson's married, so... Oh, okay. Who's okay. to say? The, the shoemaker's probably alone, you're right. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. Okay. <laughs> he's my favorite character so far, okay. so I hope he has somebody. Alright, let's hear about it. Um, and so he's going to cross the border into the Assiniboine district to freedom. So this is that's the mission. Okay. <laughs> freedom. Hudson and Anderson pursue McPherson on horseback. Not a, not an easy race. Okay. Um, and so McPherson sees this horse gaining on him. And so he attempts to evade arrest by running into the deep snow on the plains. He's like, because maybe the horses can't get through that. Manitoba, there's lots of snow. We know that to be true. This is geographically true. Yeah, this yes. is all correct. Yes. Okay, this all adds up. But a struggle ensued, and all we know that happened during the struggle is that McPherson's clothes all got torn off. So now we have a naked McPherson <laughs> no. running through the woods no. trying to evade these guys on horseback. He's doing a great job. Um, like, fully naked. Fully naked. That's fun. He's really, he's like throwing in everything okay. for this. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, he is eventually apprehended. I imagine him looking like Belle's dad in Beauty and the Beast and just running through the woods. That's what I imagine this little man looking like. <laughs> Maurice. Maurice. So maybe that's his first name. Maybe. Maurice McPherson. That's a good name. <laughs> so the drunk constables loaded McPherson onto a small sled and then they started well, they taking him, him back to town. 
Yeah. Okay. So on the ride back down from High Bluff Road, McPherson's neighbors and one of the earliest settlers in the area, so very respected guy, uh, John and Alec McLean, they saw the sleigh containing the three men bearing down on them, heading towards Portage. Oh my god, to the bog. Or Portage. I keep saying it like it's okay. Like it's a portage. Yes. You know, (laughs) carrying your canoe somewhere. McPherson jumped out of the sleigh and he ran toward McLean and his son. Naked. And, you know, the constables are in hot pursuit. Yes, naked. Okay. So, uh, McPherson reached McLean and shouted, Save me! Save me, McLean! <laughs> when the constable tried to wrestle McPherson back into the sleigh, which, you know, <laughs> is always a sign of a good arrest. If a man came running at me naked, screaming, Save me, save me, I would shut the door. <laughs> Very, like, no thanks. But thankfully, McLean did it. Okay. Uh, McLean pulled out a two-inch auger that he had been using to repair a haystack and said, Stand back or I'll rin, you th- rin the auger through ya. Okay. All of these colloquialisms are the doings of the, the judge in the mm. town. So he's just like, I'm writing it verbatim. Okay. So he's basically like, if you don't let him go, I'll stab you with an auger. Nice. Okay. Classic. <laughs> Seeing the weapon, uh, the constables showed McLean the warrant for McPherson's arrest and explained that the cobbler was a traitor to the Republic of Manitoba, this thing that all of us equally hold dear. Yeah. This warrant is written on, like, a napkin, drunkenly, <laughs> like, covered in whiskey. There's like, they're like, but it's here. <laughs> Read it. It's like, I think I have that thing it's with me somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> okay. So McLean read the warrant and then... Re- and inquired when and where the trial was to be. He's like, all right, you got a warrant. When's the trial gonna be? He then advised McLean to go with them and assured McPherson, or sorry, he advised McPherson to go with them. And then he assured McPherson that he would be there to make sure justice was appropriately carried out. McLean's like, I I will be your auger lawyer. It's just like this naked man who's just like, You don't really know me, <laughs> but you. But I will be your you lawyer. You definitely need some help. Yeah, yeah. So then the crew continued on to Portage. Uh, McLean followed after having some supper, apparently, and then brought Got with him fueled up. Brought with him, okay, a Bob Hasty, a Mr. Chapman. We don't know his first name, okay. and then Yankee Johnston. Yankee Johnston. That's the gang. That's okay. Those are the good guys. Oh, those are in the story. Yes. Okay. So the trial was being held in uh, Hudson's home, which is always a good sign when one of the people arresting you is then also the courthouse. In your living room. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's fine. Just it's come like, into my living just, room. That's just my, that's my dirty clothes. Just put them on the floor. Yeah. Like home field advantage has a whole new meaning. Whole new meaning. Yeah. <laughs> At the table set, uh, sat our, our guy, President yeah. Thomas Spence. <laughs> Um, our guy. Our guy. After an inquiry, Spence told McLean that the shoemaker had been tried on the charge of treason, or was going to be tried for the charge of treason. Sure. McLean answered with a very important point, quote, but we have no laws. Come out with that, you white sep- sepulcher, which means hypocrite. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, sepulcher. I sepulcher. like that. They should have used that in the spelling bee. You cannot act as judge and accuser both. No. <laughs> so first of all, we have no laws. But if we have laws, you're doing laws You're wrong. doing it wrong. <laughs> like, just so you know. Yeah. So Constable Henderson ordered McLean out of his house. But at first, he refused to budge. <laughs> Hudson charged, challenged him to a fight, which has been their mode of diplomatic relations yeah it's seemingly for years yeah and McLean stepped out towards the door he's like all right let's fucking go because you go outside the, the definition of taking outside taking it outside like <laughs> we have it. no laws yeah I only acknowledge bare knuckle boxing in the front lawn exactly so so Hasty saw both constables following McLean. So basically, like Hudson's like, yeah, I'll challenge you outside. McLean starts to go. The other two guys are also following. That's so Hasty's like, that's not fair. This isn't an even fight. You don't know anything about laws and rules. Yeah. But Hasty is also like, if 
everyone is going outside, then no one is watching McPherson. Right. So Hasty's like grabs McPherson by the collar. And he's oh, telling he's, he's got clothes on now. He's like, don't sit there like a fool. Okay, he's is like, what he gonna, tells him. We're gonna fight. We're fucking running. <laughs> yeah. No, we're oh, running. Oh, they're leaving. They're just going for it. <laughs> we're gonna get out of here. Okay, no one's watching. Everyone cares about the fight. Right, right, right. <laughs> Pay-per-view, baby. True, true. <laughs> a brother of Anderson's caught Hasty by the neck and pulled him back, which prompted Hasty, who was a powerful man, to mm. throw Anderson's brother against the table, which shook the table, the lamp, a nearby stove, and Spence. <laughs> That's detail. That's some detail. The lamp. <laughs> At this point, Hasty, Johnston, and Chapman all drew their revolvers and fired into the ceiling. <laughs> it's country justice. Who are these people? They're great. I don't know who they are, but they're great. Oh they're heroes of early Canada. It's just like a thing that they do. It's like, oh, revolver, bang, like done. He's like, this is stupid. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Yeah. You know? Yosemite Sam. Yeah. So, in the blink of an eye, the house was suddenly empty. Everyone fleeing through the nearest exit. Door, window, didn't matter. (laughs) Laundry chute. Laundry chute. Yeah. Spence, who had taken to hiding under the table, was heard to say, quote, For God's sake, men, don't fire. I have a wife and a family. The only time Charlotte is evoked. The only time we've heard about Charlotte. The next day, as McPherson was walking down the street, one of the constables again tried to arrest him. One like, of the ones from the over. night before? Oh, yeah. He's hung over. That man doesn't know what he's doing. I don't know if you're ever hung over when you drink that much whiskey. When you're it's just, just constantly a constant state. It's like Johnny McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> just never sober. James McBain saw the scuffle and threatened to, quote, knock the constable's brains out if he dared to repeat the act. So now, you know, like, McPherson's got... He's got his, his buddies. He's got his boys. It's literally a gang war in this city. Yeah. City. West Side Story. <laughs> Snaps. Yes, West Side yeah. Story. <laughs> the most infamous gang war in uh, American history. Absolutely. <laughs> McPherson wanted to end these shenanigans, and so he confronted Spence, demanding an explanation. He's like, what the hell, guy? Sorry, my mic was making a funny noise. <laughs> I was doing. I was dealing with tech issues. Tech issues. Okay. I'm good. I'm listening now. I wasn't saying what the heck I to you. Were like, what are you doing? I was saying that McPherson is saying what the heck. He's to saying Spence. like, okay, yes, yes all right. you're Spence. I'm Spence. Unfortunately, In this story, I apologize. I was under the table. <laughs> so Spence suddenly is now like, I, I never said that they should arrest you. I did not say that. I, I did. He denies everything. And that said, was that guy up the street. Remember him? Yeah. And he's like, the matter's been dropped. Yeah. The matter's been dropped. Don't even worry about it. The matter's been dropped. Yeah. So in return, uh. For his, you know, the damages, McPherson received a new suit of clothes to replace the ones that had been torn off during the arrest, and the matter was indeed done. Good. Um, This incident completely shattered any notion that the Council of Manitoba had any authority, and the Republic was effectively finished, but Spence would not give up. Zero credibility at this point. If if everything we know, he's not going to go down without a fight. No. So Spence had walked to Fort Gary, but casual. Just, you gotta walk to Fort Gary. Is that like far? I think so. Okay. Lots of All kilometers. Right. Okay. <laughs> many, many steps. That spring, uh, so he could get a blessing from um, the HBC governor of Fort Gary. So okay. Fort Gary has an HBC governor, and he's just like, listen, uh, you know, I want you to bless the Republic. Which is a weird yeah. ass. Not just not just me. No. You can bless me too. It's just like, like a guy who has nothing to do with anything being like, can I have your blessing? Can I have your daughter's hand please? in marriage kind of thing? I'll say please. But but a town. Like I won't beg, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, McTavish is like, no. <laughs> no. It's entirely illegal. That's I'm not so going to do that. Yes, everything this fence says is just like answered with that's so dumb. But again, Spence is not done. He also sent a letter in February of 1868 to London to explain that he had established an independent government. Just to explain. He's not asking for anything. He's like, so listen. So this is I a story all about how I set up an independent <laughs> yeah. government in yeah. Manitoba called Manitoba. With an H. With an H. Yeah. Um, the Duke of Buckingham, uh, who was the Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs, replied that it would be 
that the would-be republic had no power to form a government without references to the Hudson's Bay Company or the Crown, and that the exercise of jurisdiction in criminal cases or levying taxes was illegal. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. You're done. You're done. So... We kind of come to the end of our story. Oh, okay. With, you know... He was done, for real. You know, after this final rejection, Spence, after these tumultuous years of his would-be republic, sure. he then had to live through someone actually trying to set up an independent government in Manitoba, Louis Riel. Yeah. So he's just watching someone succeed, succeed at that's... something that he could never do. Yeah, exactly. Which oh, I had to imagine was hard. That must have been a blow. <laughs> I didn't realize they were, like, same the same time, but, uh... Yeah, yeah. literally, like, two years years later, Louis yeah. Riel's like, independent republic, let's, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but instead, he uh, he settled down into a less stressful, gun-free pursuit. Uh, okay. He ended up being a legal member of government when he became the clerk of the Manitoba legislature. Why? Why does the man have any credibility to do that? I think the moral of the story is that, like, wild guys love government. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that's and that's the story of the Republic of Manitoba. And that's it. Yeah. Well, thank you. No that was problem. a good one. I'm glad that we yes, thank you. I'm glad that uh that we didn't do a minute. I'm glad it was something like I think that's fun. No, well to close out, would you make this a heritage minute? Yeah. Well, who would you cast? Who would you cast as Thomas Spence? Michael Sarah. Ooh, mm. Michael Sarah, that's Michael a good one. Michael Sarah Spence. Um yeah. Oh, Eric's gonna be so mad at me. Eric and all his friends are gonna be so mad at me. G George from Seinfeld would be the guy who got his clothes ripped off, <laughs> but I can't remember that actor. Jason Alexander. That's it. That's it. That guy. Jason Alexander. Yeah. As a, I don't know if that's. A, I feel like you need someone who's. I feel like Jason Alexander is more of a of a Spence. Just you someone who's. Okay. Oh. Okay. This is a history podcast, not a yeah. pop culture podcast. Yeah, Thank you I'm very sorry. much. This is a little um, Canadian cinema. You should listen to the normal podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. Thank yeah. you so much to everyone yeah. who yes, came out you. slash endured us talking while you ate tacos. Uh, yeah. We really it. Like, get off the stage. <laughs> and thank you to Hopyard for letting us stand here and, and give you a show. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so okay. much. Bye. Bye.